Welcome to the Westside Personalized Podcast, where real educators share their classroom-tested, learner-approved personalization practices. I'm your host, Andrew Easton. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion and are able to find a few valuable takeaways from the podcast. And so without further ado, let's go to the pod! All right, welcome to another episode of the Westside Personalized Podcast, and I'm uh, really looking forward to getting an opportunity to speak with uh, Kevin Cook today a little bit uh, about some things that he's had a chance to do in his uh, classroom at the, in math at the high school, uh, and to learn a little bit about how he was able to bring personalization and gamification together, uh, which is something that I'm certainly am interested in and passionate about, and so that's why I'm going to be kind of nerdy and, and having a conversation <laughs> with Kevin today. So uh, I'd like to start off, though, and let Kevin introduce himself a little bit, and so you kind of tell everybody uh, just a little bit, maybe about your year's experience with, with teaching and, and the courses you teach, and then maybe even that could bleed into our, our first uh, comments regarding maybe games uh, and, and you being a part of the gamification PD group that we've got going on. Okay. Well, I've been teaching and coaching for over 20 years now and have kind of moved around. Um, started in Millard and I've taught in OPS, but uh, this is actually my second stint here at Westside and, and uh, I'm here to stay this time. I'm very happy to be here and I'm really excited about all the opportunities that I am afforded as a teacher here at Westside. Totally um, agree. Totally agree. So, so, yeah, as a coach and, you know, person that loves playing games myself and things like that, I'm always looking for ways to to incorporate that into my classroom and, and uh, hopefully add some fun to, with, the, with the kids. And um, as part of that professional learning group that we were in, you kind of tripped my trigger when we started talking <laughs> about gamification and um, had actually tried a, a personalized unit last year in my prob stats class. So I had a little experience with that, but... Um, Felt that uh, my conics unit in my pre-calc honors class was a good chance to maybe blend the two together. Mm -hmm. And I do think that they can go hand in hand. I know oftentimes as people start in gamification, they get to a place where I think what they're doing is very much personalization. Uh, and I've seen people also go, hey, I'm going to personalize and try to make all these different opportunities for learning pathways. And then what ups the engagement in that setting ends up being the nuances that are almost the competitive aspects or games or however, you know, way they want to incorporate that, those elements become a part of their vision. And so it's mm -hmm. just kind of interesting to see um, that those roads cross, but which one were you walking on first? <laughs> it's right. kind of interesting. Right. And so for you, it seems like you just said for this course in this moment, let's just do it. It's it was kind of, it was time. <laughs> yeah. And it was ambitious because we, when was our PD? We on met that? in October, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so here we are in December right. and you were able to, to get this all off the ground and run it. Yeah. Well, definitely had some behind-the-scenes help with, with you and, and Kristen, but um, it was, yeah, it was just kind of something that, you know, like you said, in that in that last meeting we had, you kind of, the trigger went off and it was it was go time, so it all kind of fit together. Came right up afterwards and sat down and we're like, hey, we need to get this done. Where could we, and, and so you started with the Conics unit, mm -hmm. uh, and so why why there, I guess, and, and how did the maybe standards and indicators and things that you knew that you were going to cover um, make that a place ripe for what you wanted to get done? Well, I think, um, first of all, it was, it's material that my students have seen before. Mm -hmm. um, they've done a little bit with it in advanced algebra honors. So um, I knew that having that exposure, I felt like, you know, the personalized part that a lot of these kids were going to be able to just 
see the information and go with it. So um, I thought that piece would make it a little bit easier for them. Mm -hmm. um, it was also a shorter unit, so there wasn't, you know, we weren't going to get bogged down with five million things that we had to do. Um, you know, there was four, four basic units within that, um, each of the different conics that we study. And so I just felt like it was a really good, a really good fit. Okay, so then having identified, right, so this is a concept that maybe they've gone through before, and so maybe this would be a great place to extend those, like, that prior knowledge uh, and insert into more of a real-life, you know, real-world context, which, you know, we're able to kind of do that. I know some of the assignments, the way that that played out. Where was maybe step one for you then as you got, like, I want to do a game, and I know where I want to do this at, and, but there's uh, <laughs> kind of a lot to um, you know, it was really entry and, points, or was and, it multiple places? Yeah. That was that actually was a bit of a struggle. In fact, um, you know, I had intended to maybe start it even sooner than than I did, and in the trial and error process of, of working through that, it, it ended up being later than sooner. But um, you know, really, it was just kind of a I just tried to kind of make a blueprint of what what I wanted the kids to have to do um, first, and then how I was going to have them do it, mm -hmm. and then kind of built the game around that. So that said, it sounds like you started off sort of knowing, again, standards, indicators, content, what you wanted to get done, and then probably the ideal way to assess those pieces. Mm -hmm. And so then how do you take that stuff and then, one, personalize for pace or the differentiation or the things that you provided within the assignments, or was it more let's get the narrative down for the game and how it's going to play out? Like where did that... Well, I think the, the material itself kind of just lended itself to, you know, kind of being segmented into what they were going to do. You know, I found... When for somebody that doesn't know what conics are... Right. You, they were talking about hyperbolas, parabolas... Circles and hyper and ellipses. Okay. Um, and so, you know, basically I had them working on material from each individual conic, and then they had a, an exam or an assessment over each one when they completed all of the tasks that they had to do. So basically, obviously, it started with just, you know, just a, a regular homework assignment, which um, with our book, we do have access to online homework. So okay. they were able to do their online homework, which checks their answers for them. They get immediate feedback. Um, if they struggle with a problem, they can select a video to help them out with it. It'll give them additional problems that are similar to those. So that was, oh, that was the first avenue for seeing the material and figuring out what they did, did and didn't know. So would you say that that sort of drove the formative portion of their exposure to each of the four different? Right. Okay. Right. Once they completed that, you know, I wanted to find out what they, what they did know. So mm -hmm. I used quizzes and they had a short quiz, basically what I call a, what I call a homework check. Just um, hitting on some of the main three, four, or five main topics of that unit or that lesson. Did they get it? Mm -hmm. And so um, their score on the quizzes tell me yes or no. Sure. Um, and then we moved on from there. Um, there were some application problems that you know, some real world application problems that um, I wanted them to work on. So they had a couple of those to complete for each for each problem. Um, and what kind of turned out to be one of the neater parts of it is they had to find a real-life example and take a picture of it. Mm -hmm. um, Those ended I, up on Twitter. Yes. Because I yes. got a chance to go through your Agent K, which we'll, get, we'll explain what that's all about here in a minute. Uh, <laughs> but I got a chance to go through the Twitter account with your site and look at all the pictures and the yeah, real-world examples that they right. found. And there was uh, quite a wide range. Of, there was. It wasn't like they all defaulted and looked at signs. No. You know, they found no. everything from the, the arch in St. Louis right. to, to something, yeah, on, on a sign in our building. And yeah. so, you know, it kind of shows that they um, spun well, that out. Well, and, and, you know, some of the examples they found weren't perfect, but 
it led them to looking at things in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so they maybe saw saw patterns or saw things that they hadn't really looked at before. Um, so once they, you know, once they completed all those formative tasks for each of the conics, then they had the summative exam at the end, which is a little bit different than what I would have done in a normal class. In a normal class, they would have had one test over everything. Mm-hmm. But I, I just felt the way that this fit together that I could do each one individually. And it actually allowed me to ask probably more questions, um, more different types of questions mm-hmm. over each of the conics than I would have in a, in a normal test. Okay. And they could go through, these each functioned as almost like mini units, right? Like mm-hmm. over these different topics, but they could go through those in any order. Right, right. Okay. And so being able to do it in any order was kind of the personalized piece of it that, um, you know, having the previous exposure to this material, it, most of them knew quite a bit about circles. So a lot of them started with circles. And mm-hmm. so, you know, they could kick that one out pretty, pretty quickly and then focus a little bit more on the ones that were going to give them a little more difficulty. Uh, how then did that change the the classroom because sometimes when you have students working on different tasks who you sit next to or where you sit and i know you know people can probably see in the background behind us we got high tops we got couch and there's like how how does this space help to facilitate your model for that type of well my instruction my normal classroom i do kind of have the desks and pods um so they're used to kind of sitting together and working together in small groups and so what happened a lot of times is that they would kind of congregate you know hey, who's working on ellipses? And they would, you know, go find, or the people that they normally sit with, they would, you know, choose mm-hmm. to work on the same one together, which, again, allowed for some collaboration. And, you know, it kind of took me out of the picture because they could teach themselves. But the the table that we're sitting at here was, was very useful too. If I had that, a group that was struggling with parabolas, I could bring them all up at one time, you know, have five or six kids around the table here, and we could talk about parabolas and figure out what they needed needed to know. And that's, that's certainly a pretty vital part of, I feel like, the class experience if you're going to have flipped content. I know when I began, like my own personal, in, in English, gosh, I had reading materials, I had slides you could go through things, I had videos I thought were pretty solid that you could watch, and the students were still like, uh, I, I prefer to be lectured to, or at least like meet face to face, and I'm like, I did all of these things so you didn't have to sit through that. Like, oh, and I, it was, I, it was a... It was great to hear their voice, and I appreciated that is the function of voice in the personalized models. You have to be responsive to those requests, uh, and it really just, it was a great piece. But at the time, I was like, oh, <laughs> it's a little bit of a challenge um, to kind of figure out what that looks like. But there were students who wanted that, that direct instruction, so I'm glad that obviously was still part of your modeling here. So that said, designing all that and facilitating all that is, is challenging, and then making a whole narrative to lay over the top of that is a whole nother challenge in and of itself. Sure, sure. So what would you say was kind of your process then for thinking about that layover story? Well, I kind of, you know, in that, that first PLG group that meeting that we had, what first got me thinking was actually a, a worksheet that I had used for this unit previously, and it was uh, a clue worksheet where you had to work out some problems and figure out who had committed the murder or whatever. And so that was kind of the the initial narrative that I had and then, you know, kind of took a twist and turned into the James Bond mm-hmm. uh, MI6 um, scenario. And the, the fun thing that I think, you know, kind of led to everything was adding some of the history of math to it by, you know, talking about um, four particular mathematicians. You know, one thing I try and do in my class normally is if we, you know, if we come across a specific concept or something that was developed specifically by a mathematician, you know, I'll try and talk about them a little bit. And I've, mm-hmm. I've done um, 
you know, Twitter assignments about, you know, mathematicians in the past and things like that. So I was able to kind of incorporate that. So those four, well, the four that I chose were, became uh, hostages to the, to the evil <laughs> right. Dr. Connick. And so then that, that kind of became the scenario that, uh, you know, they were going to have to complete all their tasks and go save these mathematicians. And so to do that, put together an onboarding video is what it's called, where you basically have your video that you start the the unit off with that sets the kind of setting. It serves as an exposition. It gives you all the characters and the who, what, where, like for this adventure that they're going to like live out through the like course of the unit. What was, what was your two cents, I guess, very quickly on just the process of making that? Well, I definitely uh, appreciate your abilities oh, in editing. that effort. That's editing. That's a whole other. <laughs> but um, no, it was it was fun. And, and again, you get to incorporate, you know, people from from outside the classroom. And, you know, through part of that, too, was the whole idea of, of uh, bringing the business world into it as well. Um, with Kristen's help, we were able to um, secure for different local businesses that participated mm -hmm. and housed the hostages, so to speak. <laughs> but the neat thing was that they were willing to, you know, offer any students that uh, were able to recover the hostage a, a free, whatever happened to be, it was a donut or a smoothie or a sandwich or a cookie. So very appreciative to those businesses. And, and uh, I think that that part, again, bringing, bringing the outside yeah, in to yeah. the education world is really important. Okay. And so then how would this game game function play out right so day one first of all like you're there you're greeting students they know that things have changed because you had some subtleties around the room right just mm -hmm. very quickly some of the yeah i had had moved the room around a little bit and to make it more office like you know there were some pictures up i had some whiteboards that i brought in that uh, you know we kind of used as you know here's who's missing and this is what's going on and and so i was dressed up which they weren't used to <laughs> i had a I had a coat and tie on which was definitely not uh, not my normal attire but so yeah i think that probably more than anything immediately like hmm, what the heck's going on here sure and catches their attention get some kind of energized they can right. tell that you put work in they can tell that you're trying something new right uh, i think sometimes educators get a little bit reluctant to try something new and outside of their comfort zone because there's an insecurity that comes with that. Anytime you present publicly, <laughs> which is what we do all the time, right. um, but in you stand in front of a group of people and don't really know where you're going or how they're going to react to it, it's, it can be, it'd be a little unnerving. But I find, I guess my point with this would be to say that students are more forgiving and willing, I think, to fill in the gaps when they see that you have put in the time and effort uh, and are trying to like push, I think, the boundaries a little bit of what like class can be about. Right. Um, and so I'm sure that, uh, uh, I'm sure for them coming in like, whoa, this is, <laughs> this is different. So we watch the right. onboarding video, sets up everything. They're able to go through these units as, you know, in whatever order. But then how then when we get to summative, end of formative, summative time, I know there's clues and you got to get, them to go and find these mathematicians that are being that are hostages in these remote locations where they get to get prizes but like what, what was the process from end of assignment to finding them well basically as as they completed some of the tasks i would basically the formative or the summative ones? the formative okay well both really they they got the basically i broke the clues into location mm -hmm. and then they also had a code word that they had to use um, okay, so what clue, for example? You'd say, so, let's say I finished my circle unit. Um, they finished the circle unit, and I sent them the clue Homer. Okay, from your Google account, there was an Agent K, which was your character. Yes. Right? Yes. So they say, hey, I'm done, and Agent K sends them 
the Homer sends Duncan. them the clue. It says this is your circle clue, and it was Homer. And what I was going for there was the connection to Dunkin' Donuts because Homer Simpson loved donuts, and so that was the first clue that they got directly from me after they had completed the circle quizzes. And then as many of them were starting to complete the actual circle test, because most a lot of them started with circle, then there were some posters that I put up around the school that had a picture of Homer Simpson on it. So that was that was the catch. You know, if they had gotten the clue before, then, oh, hey, here's Homer's. Maybe these two things are connected. Mm-hmm. And so then the rest of that was a visual. There was also a picture of Tim Duncan, the basketball player for the Spurs. So idea was put it together, Duncan and Donuts. And then on a QR code, they had the code word that they had to use when they went to Duncan Donuts mm-hmm. to retrieve the, the mathematician. The other catch to that, and again, something that I'm kind of proud of, is that I incorporated the world languages because the code word was written in the language of the mathematician hey, that was missing. Yeah. So that was probably the most difficult one because it was Pythagoras and it was written in Greek. So but I did have a chance to talk with Sarah Percival and a couple of the world language teachers and kind of let them in on what was going on. And so they were more than willing to you know, help any kids that came to figure out what it meant. Right. So my question then is, not that this matters, but I'm, I'm at Dunkin' Donuts, right? I'm working and the kid walks in and says like, Danka. Like, is it like that or did like they have to know the translated word? Yeah, they had, to, they, had to, they had to use the translated <laughs> <Okay>. word. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to imagine that moment where all of a sudden someone comes in speaking a foreign language to you right. and you're like, uh, we have coffee, we have donuts. I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that is, I mean, that is interesting and like a cool way to, to sort of ask them to have to process even once they got the code word, like right. to carry that over. So they went and then when they said that they got their free whatever, they got... Then they had a they had a laminated picture of the mathematician, okay. and so they brought that back to me, and that was my that was their evidence that, that they had truly recovered okay. the mathematician. Nice. And so there was only four. There was only like one. You couldn't essentially multiple groups couldn't go and get. Well, we did. I provided ten at each site because oh, okay. I really there didn't know. That's the details. I had ninety-one students. I didn't really know how many would yep. would make it through. We actually had two that made it all the way through. So they were able to recover one from each site. Mm-hmm. But, so I was hoping that obviously that, that more would, but I figured start with 10. And I figured if, if we got more than 10, I could just recycle them and, sure. and take them back. Well, and yeah, I know even with my own like first foray into all of that, there were about three groups, I think, that finished the... Um, yeah, they actually got to the end, and I was okay with that. You know, I didn't want to make it so easy that everybody, right. uh, you know, wouldn't necessarily like beat and win the game. Like it was its own challenge, and it takes, in your instance too, a lot of effort to actually travel to that mm. particular place, and so uh, that's cool. So I'm gonna gonna ask then because I know I learned so much from my early iterations and the evolution of things. It, it was very drastic, like night and day, from <laughs> where I started uh, to where things sort of ended up, and. As a reflection piece, then, like, what would you sort of say you would like to tell your earlier self, like, mm-hmm. like to consider a little bit more? And I'm sure you'll think about it, like next time around yeah. too. But that'd be great advice for people getting started, also. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the the biggest thing, and I had kids tell me this as we were nearing the end, that the timing of it was a little bit off. This was our last unit of the semester. Um, obviously, they're getting bogged down with with all their classes and mm-hmm. getting ready for finals and everything and maybe not the best timing um but actually 
You're saying so that they would be able to have the additional time to allocate to doing the above and beyond right, game right. portion of it. Yeah. Um, that being said, the other thing that I definitely would do better next time is make sure that even though it is personalized and they can go at their own pace, kind of give them a skeleton of, hey, by day three, you should have at least one test done. By day five, mm-hmm. you should maybe have two tests done. You know, we ended up with a lot of kids, you know, waiting until the last couple yeah. of days to do their tests. And so obviously that was not beneficial to them because they're cramming everything into one. And, and also they didn't get to play the game as well because they weren't getting the clues for getting sure. things completed as soon. So that was probably, that's probably my biggest takeaway from, from this effort is to, to make sure that they do have a, a kind of a basic idea of mm-hmm. what the timing of everything should be. And I think... At the core of what personalized learning is, is that they would, I feel like it provides the opportunity. I think test scores end up being about the same, at least. And they, the research isn't even like longitudinal enough to know, like over time, I actually think that there will be improvement because you're, you're building a better student. You're like helping them to fundamentally work through a, developing a process by which to all the things that we as teachers talk about. Gosh, I wish they'd be more responsible. Gosh, I wish they could work independently. Gosh, I wish those things that the students that already excel naturally like have figured out a way to to learn at this point in their their educational career where other people they're just efficient in that. And so I think that it's interesting like if you're tuning in here, you could go check out there's a a video podcast with Stephanie Heitman where we sat down and talked about the goal setting sheet that she had and that we've put together for the English Nine Honors class. And so uh, it's kind of interesting to see what that looks like, both like on a day-to-day basis. Uh, so I think that's always like a good piece to say, like, yeah, what can you get done, or where are you going to get done today? And then looking at the unit, like you're talking about too, as a whole, and say, here's a unit calendar. This is what teachers do. We sit down and we fill these things out, and we say it'll take you about two days to do something like this, and maybe two to do that. Mm-hmm. And maybe you don't put that on the calendar, but you have a little legend off to the side that says like. Average time for this assignment, two days. Mm-hmm. And giving students 10 minutes in class to just sort of shade in. Like, I, remember, you know, I know half of you in here are on the baseball team and you guys got that tournament, right, coming up. Oh, yeah. And so then, you know, they can sort of allocate time and move assignments around in response to those things, which is what adults do, right? Like, like oh, i got to take the kid to this tonight. Got this going on Saturday. But Sunday afternoon, i got three hours and I'm right. going to make sure. And, and I think that the opportunity to fail forward through all of the, like the learning that goes into that, I think is a great skill to try to foster. Uh, and one that I'm excited for us to systemically strike and start to build right. in district wide. The thing that was interesting to me is the, the two students that did complete all the tasks or that were able to recover all the hostages by no means were two that I would have picked from the beginning. I mean, mm-hmm. they weren't necessarily my strongest students. Yep. Um, you know, and, and part of that is, you know, the game piece of it, connected with them and so they were able to to get through the process a little bit quicker but um you know so it wasn't necessarily that they were the strongest students and Mm -hmm. so you know i think that that definitely opened my eyes to you know the power of of what i was trying to do and that um you know i was able to see some strengths in some students that i might not have seen otherwise it's interesting that you say that because i if i think back to my own game yeah there were some individuals in the two groups three groups that got through it but I'm thinking the two individuals right now that would probably fit that same description. Great kids, great great students, um, but certainly, you know, if I gave you a top ten, like from the ahead of time, they might have fell around fifteen. <laughs> you know, that's interesting. That's really interesting. So, what other what other differences from the like traditional do you think that you've experienced? Um, you know, I kind of we talked about this prior to this, but I you know I did look back at the 
you know, the average test scores are from, from last year and previous times. And, and like you said, you know, the research shows that it maybe doesn't make a whole lot of difference. And in fact, the test scores were about the same as mm -hmm. what they had been in the past. But the but, kids led themselves through the whole process. Right, right. And they were about the same. <laughs> I think that's, that in itself is like noteworthy. Right. Keep going though, keep going. Um, you know, so I think that and, and, you know, there were definitely some students that were, they weren't necessarily on board. You know, mm -hmm. they, like we talked about before, they really wanted me to tell them everything they needed to know. And one student in particular who, you know, would come visit me during open mods and mm -hmm. she was, she was a regular. I found it kind of ironic that that's what she was wanting, but yet during that time she didn't come see me as much. Mm -hmm. And so, again, making the connection and making sure that they understand, hey, this is what we're going to try and this is how it's set up, but if you need me, I'm still here. Right. Um, and, you know, you need to let let me know or, you know, when we have our time together, mm -hmm. you know, you still, I'm still here to take advantage of it. That's something that I would say too. I, by a, a later iteration, came to a point where I realized that early on I had needed to stand up and say, we're moving to this type of instruction. And because we were doing that, uh, honestly, because I kept getting this negative feedback from some students that are like, gosh, I just wish you'd do that. It's easier for me that way. Because uh, one, they're really good at school. And then two, in order to take responsibility of the calendar and of the day, and of, they, there's more on their plate that they have to manage and deal with. And it's just easier to let you do it. Right. So it's not, that, that negative feedback is almost like, you know, when you ask your kids to do additional chores at home, <laughs> it's because it's more work, right. uh, but, not, but it's good for them. Like that, that's the kind of the whole point. And I found that the more I was like open and honest on the front end, so like, this is going to be more challenging because you're going to have to do these other things. But understand that for those of you that sit in class all the time and say, when am I ever going to use this? I, like, let's throw the content area like uh, just over here for now all the time. <laughs> like These new things that are on your plate now are have an applicability across academic disciplines and future careers. And, and which is why, you know, I, I think we as a district want to invest in this. And, and uh, I think by making that transparent on the front end, sort of at least acknowledges it. Uh, and gives them a little bit of sense of purpose through what is, I think, a little bit more work. And so right. I, I think that that's an experience that I'm with you, man. I, right. I kind of felt a lot of those well, same I've, things. You know, I'm already trying to think of how I can do this next semester yeah. with, the, with the same kids. So you and enjoyed I, it? I definitely enjoyed it. I can tell. Uh, every time I come to talk to you, you've just been smiling and just really excited. Um, and... So I, I'm anxious to do it again with the same group just to see – well, A, how much better I can make it, but B, how much better they will make it for themselves yeah. um, and how much we can learn about the process. Um, you know, I, I actually, I was talking with a couple of students this morning about it, and they're like, oh, yeah, that's totally cool. We, we would love to do it again. And so mm -hmm. I bet more people get all the, of it done, too. The wheels are turning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, give me give me a little preview. We sort uh, of know where. There, I, 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 I behind, we talked a little bit. Maybe in the spring you were thinking, I thought you had a unit that you were sort of targeting a little I'm, bit. Nah, I, no, I haven't made it that far. <laughs> Sorry. Well, it is. well, come on. I mean, yeah. it's still Jeez, December and you yeah. just got done with this like I, yesterday. I got all break. I got two yeah, weeks to think about. I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. <laughs> um, well, is there any like last minute things that I've not asked that you'd like to impart to someone else? Yeah, one thing that was kind of just a, a fun piece of it, I took on the persona of Agent K and literally did not answer to Mr. Cook. So, you know, they Say so they'd be calling me Mr. Cook, and I just I just look around, and then they finally figure it out. But the fun part was that some of the students took on their own 
uh, agent <laughs> nicknames. So I had Agent Cool and Agent Larry. And, and uh, so that was kind of, I mean, that was just a complete, you know, byproduct. I, had, I mean, I had, yep. it just, it just yep. happened. And so that was, that was kind of fun. That's but, really uh, cool. Yeah. That shows that they, yeah, were immersed in the right. world, which is right. what your kind of like goal would be with all that. So, um, well, awesome. Thank you so much for your commitment to serving your students and pushing the boundaries of education and all the time and effort it took to, to put into that. Thanks for your time today uh, and sharing your story with other sure. teachers in hopes that we can kind of you know promote this you know more and, and get more opportunities so that students are used to, if that's impossible, <laughs> like they're used to this type of thing when it comes up for them and their, their education. And uh, uh, you know, I really look forward to, to hearing you know, where this goes as over time as it continues to evolve this unit and then new ones if and when you're excited and ready to do that. Call us up. You, all right, I, love, I know where you uh, are. I'm <laughs> getting a chance to like live vicariously through sure. uh, all your cool adventures. So uh, thank you so much. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap on another great episode. For more information or to contact us directly, you can email our team at personalized.learning at westside66.net. As always, thanks for tuning in and learning from the Westside Personalized Podcast.